Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show, if you know what we mean. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And this is Season 6. Today we're talking about episode 4, Pin the Tail on the Daddy, or as the Germans call it, The Devil's Daughters. That's an alliteration, that's beautiful. I kind of love that. Sometimes Amazon does a good job. But before we actually start talking about the episode and how amazing and filled with alliterations it surely must be now, we need to welcome our newest patron. It's been a moment since you joined, but... We do record in advance, so we are thereby here pronouncing you a heathen. Welcome to our patron ranks, MZ. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Please send me clarification on your pronunciation. If it's wrong, let me know. I'll fix it. Oh, if you want a second shout out, just because. (laughs) I don't know. Should we be offering that? No, but maybe if someone wants to try, it would be hilarious. Bad ideas. Don't listen to me. Never listen to me. I'm the bad person. If you want to hear your name here, you need to join our Patreon as well. From one euro a month, uh, you will find the link to the Patreon in the description of this episode as per usual or in the description of any episode that we post because we self-promote this way and this is all we do. And we are marked explicit so you can't search for us. You need to type in the link or click on it. That is true because we have filthy, filthy, filthy mouths. So, after we have now welcomed our newest addition to the ranks of our patrons, let's see what this episode is about. Lucifer tries to prove the angry angel is not his daughter, Dan tries to get a grip on the whole ghost stuff, <laughs> our side chars all grapple with their respective things, book, wedding, academy, frog, and in the end we learn that we apparently already have a Decastar baby. Were you really, really upset? Yes, but not as much as I feared. Good, good. So this literally brings us into our obsession of the week and I say the obsession of the week is emo daughter. I went with fatherhood. I mean, technically that's the same thing, but not really. No, because like he's also very protective about the other daughters and the whole idea of fatherhood and everything. So I felt it was a bit more than just emo, angry angel. You went for the nice umbrella thing. And I think that you're right. Your is better. Is this the second time in a row that you say mine is better? It is the second time in a row when when I'm saying this. And I, I feel terrible for it. This is what happens to me when I get stressed out. I just... I just fall under the pressure. Mm-hmm. This is you trying to make up for stressing me out, maybe? No, this is just <laughs> happening. You're just better at this. Well, this is the final season and usually yours were better, so... Well, I think it's about time you get better at this. I mean, I don't have that many episodes left to prove that I can do this. But also this very sadly means that we are at one out of four in agreement. Well, that's bullshit. We need to message each other next time just to make sure that we get the same one. And you know what the worst part is? When we now go into the facts and funds, Lucifer now leads because Lucifer is the one who says the title, putting him at two out of four. Damn you, Lucifer! And I really hope my neighbors think that I worship Satan now. Do you even have neighbors? Well, I do now. (laughs) 
What? It's a bunch of children that, that are playing across the road every day. Ugh. Okay, your kids, just terrorize the kids. That's great. I, I like you terrorizing children. So I put the usual third fact and fun part to the first one because he is now better than us. We also only have our other usual facts and funs because there was literally nothing about this episode anywhere. We have third-time director Viet Nguyen. Previous episode was It Never Ends Well for the Chicken and this is his last ep. And we have first-time writer Carly Woodworth. She is story editor for all 10 episodes of season 6. So I don't know if she's also writing another one because I didn't want to click on all the future episodes. So we'll see if this is her one and only or her first one. And that ends the facts and funs. I'm sorry, this is a very short segment this time. Yeah, that's perfectly fine because now we go into the excited... No, antis... No. Anticipated? Into this... Into the critically acclaimed part of our episode the previously on lucifer did you watch the oscars or where did critically acclaimed come from i have no fucking clue (laughs) wow okay put it out there (laughs) that's what yes go on thank you Linda and Ames have a son, Mace is a bounty-hunting demon, Dan died and went to hell, Ella found a frog that fell out of a sky, Ames is studying to become a police officer, Chloe still has Amenadiel's rod and is behaving strangely, Linda is writing a book of sorts, Dan was brought back to Earth by an emo angel, but is a ghost now, and the emo angel claims she's Lucifer's daughter. That was definitely worthy to be critically acclaimed. Yay! <laughs> I would like to thank my parents and... Shut up. We start our episode in the penthouse and we start exactly where we left off. Maybe even backtracking by like two seconds because we hear this girl say again, I'm your daughter, which is where we ended last time. I love how they bicker. The first interaction they have, he's like, no, you can't be. And she's like, well, I am, fuck's sake. You know, it's just such a already family thing to bicker like that, even though she has a blade on his neck, literally about to cut him. Well, she is cutting him. He is bleeding. He is bleeding. That is true. So it's just, I am loving that. And she is 100% believing that he's her dad. Regardless of anything else, she believes that's true. Oh yeah, that's that is without a doubt. But also when he is staring into her face and it gets referenced at the very end of the episode, he has a moment of recognition there. Yep. Very well acted out, yeah. Uh, also that long eye contact. How? I I, I couldn't. <laughs> I can't. And so he keeps denying her. I think he denied her thrice, which Fitting, because, you know, like... Magical numbers. No, who was the one of the apostles? The Petrus. Yes, I think Petrus. Uh, who denies Jesus thrice. Oh. After Jesus says so. Like I remember that. Oh, it's, 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 it's referenced in so many movies and, and shows and everything. It's like, uh, before, the, before the night is over, you will deny me thrice. And he goes, like, I will not deny you. And then before the cock... Christ the morning, he has denied the, his his Lord three times. So, yeah. Uh, sorry. Random Christian reference in my brain because I have too much useless knowledge in my brain. <laughs> so, she storms off in a very, very accurate, angry teenage daughter. But before that happens, Dan actually technically saves Lucifer's life because he boos at her, which gets her confused. 
and it gives Lucifer time to grab her wings and tuck them away. Which is quite handy because this fixes Dan's guilt about trying to kill Lucifer earlier. But it still doesn't help. It does not. But, you know, it must have helped a little bit, I'd say. Did he float a little bit higher above the floor afterwards? Did you notice? No. God damn it. No. Then it didn't help. <laughs> so Dan probably helps his conscience a little bit, but it's not enough. And while he is trying to convince Lucifer it is enough, he says, beam me up, which is a obvious reference to a show that I have never seen. Well... It's both a show and a movie because it is a reference to Scotty from Star Trek, either the original series or the first few movies. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for the information that I definitely needed. I love Star Trek. I know. So we get that and... And then my heart breaks. Then Lucifer says that this is not how it works. And for obvious reasons, Dan gets really pissy and he gives him the benefit of the doubt and says, yes, but you know, she brought me up here and you clearly didn't know that's possible. So maybe this is also possible. And Lucifer says, no, I knew this was possible. I just chose not to. And here is where one big red thread throughout this episode starts that is infuriating and very understandable at the same time to me. And that is Lucifer not being an active sharer. He is not someone who will push deliver information. He's a bit like you in that regard. Ah, something to self-identify with. Yay. Yes. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> because he has this with Dan. He has this with Amenadiel. He has this with Chloe. He has this with all the people around him whom he obviously and honestly cares about. But both in a, you didn't need to know this because it wouldn't have changed anything. And also I want to protect you from certain bits of information because I can deal with them myself in a misguided attempt of self-sufficiency. He is someone who does not overactively share information on his action alone. Usually he shares information when it comes up. Like he will not withhold information deliberately most of the times but he's not gonna go out of his way and share it and so this is something that happens throughout this episode and I hope he grows out of it because proactive communication is something very important in your day-to-day dealings with other people hint hint I feel like you are literally staring me in the soul while you're saying that and it feels like an attack (laughs) (laughs) it breaks my heart when Lucifer just straight up tells Dan, of course I was aware, I just didn't tell you, but he doesn't elaborate as to why. In the end of the episode, we get the understanding as to why. But here it just, it seems needlessly cruel and non-caring, which is out of character for Lucifer in certain ways. But also, especially when it comes to Dan, it still is kind of fitting. You know what? The point that you've made about Lucifer not being an active sharer, it explains why I feel so understanding towards anything that he does in this episode. It's just like, I fucking get it. I get it. And why it infuriates me. Well, the truth comes out. Welcome to our relationship. The truth comes out now. Uh, we are Decker Star. <laughs> Do we have a ship name? We should have a ship name. All right. Dear listeners, please let us know if Vero and I had a ship name, what would it be? Yeah. Unless you want all the polls this season to be only ever about ship names. And who wants that? So it is heartbreaking, though. It is heartbreaking to watch Dan run away like that. And Lucifer doesn't really understand 
why that happened because to him he didn't do anything wrong and he technically didn't do anything wrong and we're gonna find out by the end of the episode why but at this point Dan for obvious reason is very upset and the thing is I honestly agree with Lucifer not sharing this information beforehand with him because this is something that Dan needs to experience to understand but now would have been the point where he should have elaborated even though Dan would not have been able to understand it yet but then he could have fallen back on the conversation later on but I agree with Lucifer not sharing this information with Daniel good I'm, I'm glad that we agree on that at least so at this point we get a song that it's kind of going to be a trend there's a couple of these songs throughout the episode again non-existent according to the internet unfindable technically the artist that is written down as this supposed artist unfindable so according to this it's by The Hunter spelled with a V instead of a U and it's called Bury the Dead. Oh, great song title. It is. However, doesn't exist. I would like to know how they find their music. Do you want to add this to Joe and Ildi's question list? It would actually interest me to know this. Let's add it to the list because this is something that has happened multiple times in the past that they have a song that either is not released, which I can understand better, but if it's a song that literally anybody or no one is able to find on the internet or on the musical sphere, how do they come up with it? It's rare to have something that literally does not exist on the internet. So I think it's a very interesting question and probably also one that they don't get asked often. The song transitions us into day and fucking finally... Chloe is asking the right questions and the questions that I have been asking myself for many, many episodes now. So I'm absolutely hyped that she is on 70 cups of coffee, apparently. No sleep whatsoever. And asking the right questions. It's amazing. I love it. I love this kind of Chloe. I'm very much here for this type of Chloe. It is great. However, I don't feel like this is the Chloe that we normally get. I can see her nervousness and there is a lot of things that are herself but they feel all very heightened so again i say please please give the rod back give the necklace back i'm pretty sure she didn't have a single cup of coffee except the ones she has in her hands i think most of it is actually somehow residual energy from the rod or something must be because we've seen the effect that it had on other people and no matter how strong and exceptional chloe is it is affecting her in ways that we can't even comprehend and it's still not being addressed but this is something we're going to talk about at the end of the episode there are a few things that still are not being addressed but even as hyper and strung out as she is she notices the second she takes a look at lucifer's face that something is up and i like that absolutely appreciate that yes lucifer seems to have this really nice and calming energy about him he already sees that chloe is stressed out and nervous about what's about to happen so he chooses not to include her in this little thing which is understandable but also not good because he makes the choice without her input and they're supposed to be partners it will send her spiraling even more later on however he doesn't know that and he doesn't know it's gonna take him this long to deal with it but Chloe is Chloe and she sees something is happening so of course there are going to be consequences to this conversation but before that we get to see Lucifer visiting Imanadil and most importantly describing 
his supposed daughter. Oh yeah, that is so good. I love Amenadiel in this scene. Yes. Amenadiel really is growing into the side character that we care about and has zero plotline whatsoever currently. But that is okay. It is okay. I miss him though. But he also didn't have any fallbacks in douche Amenadiel territory for many, many episodes. So that is nice. Another great thing about this scene is that it answers a question that I have posed several episodes ago. And that is if Lucifer ever was in an orgy with any of his siblings. And no, he wasn't. He never had sex with any of his siblings. Called it. Thank you for answering that. Whee! And also, did you notice that this is the second episode in a row where they make a point of re-acknowledging that Lucifer isn't straight? Yeah, I saw that and your words actually from the last time we recorded kind of ended up in my brain seeing that because... Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice. I like that they now find ways to re-acknowledge this, even though he is in a committed exclusive relationship with Chloe, that he does swing all the ways because he says not always a woman and that is perfect and it's a short enough sentence that is kind of squeezed in speaking of language and the choice of their language he describes his supposed daughter by saying she has a resting mean face which is absolutely perfect it's very accurate and also and especially with our debate last time about the other word that they chose to use it proves that under normal circumstances Lucifer is a very no it's a ve- it's a very aware writer's room exactly but also the show is much better than it has any right to be. Exactly. Like, it's a fucking cop show. How is it so good? It's a fucking propaganda show about the devil working together with a police officer. It's like, what? Yeah, there's so many bad things that should make it bad, but they don't. They make it better. Ugh. Otherwise, I don't really have much about the scene, except I fully disagree with Lucifer dissing the 90s because I grew up in the 90s and they were amazing. I wore the worst clothing, I wore the worst makeup, I listened to the worst music and I had normal hairstyles. But otherwise, everything was the worst and it was awesome. And I love bad taste 90s parties. See, I like the throwbacks to that time because you can take the piss. But I just didn't like the time. I mean, it was my childhood. But I kind of loved it as well, though. You know what? Yes, I loved it because we were really good at ice hockey. And I lived for ice hockey when I was a child. And we won Winter Olympic Games and three world championships pretty much in a row. It was the years of bliss of Czech ice hockey. We as your country. As our country, yes. Good, but I have nothing else for this scene. So one thing that kind of pains me every time this happens, Amenadiel again uh, jumps on the opportunity to hope that Charlie can still be an angel. Oh, yes. Which is a bit of like cringy. Come on, just let him be whatever he is. We thought he was over this. He's not. I think that he thinks that he is but he still hopes that it's wrong. He still harbors hope. And I think he truly loves his son, but he still aspires for him to be more than he might be. And you see this in a real setting when kids choose to follow a different career path than their parents had 
decided or wished for them. And then the parents being like, but have you reconsidered? Maybe don't don't you want to try go to university or have children or get married or something? Or like my mom said, when are you going to get a real job? Basically, yeah. My mother for years was like, why I still haven't changed my mind and gone to university? Because obviously you have to go to university and study if you want to like make a successful life for yourself. And, uh, you know, as, a, as it is, working in service industry is not a real job. That's something that you do on the side as a part-time job when you're putting yourself through school. Because academic jobs are the only valuable jobs for many, many people. And I know that it's not meant in a bad way. This is the thing that's kind of embedded in our parents because they were brought up that way very often. So I don't take it as a terrible thing. They want the best for us, but it hurts. It still sucks. And I shut this down very clearly and when my mother kept insisting on that. But it shouldn't be necessary. And this is basically what I see with Amenadiel and his son. Of course, he loves his son, even if he's just human. But it shouldn't be, I love my son, even if he's just human. It should be, I love my son, regardless of if he's human or an angel. Just like, I believe my child can be successful, regardless if they do a blue or white collar job, or if they get married or not, or if they have children themselves or not. And this is the vibe I get here. And I love love that we have this very played for laughs thing that actually resonates on a very real level which once again the show is much better and much deeper than it has any right to be exactly fuck this show which is also very obvious given the fact that we have 91 episodes um over one hour each where we talk about this show yeah but anyway Amenadiel gives Lucifer the idea that he should probably look for women who can be mothers to this child so we go to Miami we're going to Miami We get a song uh, sang by Trinity Bagwandas and co-wrote by Sam Shreve. That's called Rum Drunk. Because in Miami you drink rum, obviously. Obviously. And this little snippet of Miami made me fucking die. Because we get this beautiful man hitting on Lucifer. Hello, daddy. Lucifer does the thing that Horatio Cain does. And we even get the... Which yes. is the beginning of the CSI Miami theme song, We Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. And he puts on the glasses like Horatio does. And I was like, please, give me the song. And then we get the title card, which is perfect because usually this is what transitions the CSI Miami opening into starting. I know, Horatio saying some brutal burn, putting on his sunglasses. And then we get, it's so... Yeah. Good. It makes me so happy, especially because I used to watch CSI Miami every single day after school when I got home because it was on at like five in the afternoon. And I fucking loved that show. And Hor I had a, the biggest crush on Horatio Kane. See, once again, we are of two different schools because I watched Navy CIS and I had the biggest crush on Gibbs. <laughs> This is... The hot detective men in our lives. The hot, older, grey-haired, competent, in my case. D David Caruso is ginger on the, on the show, but the way he puts the sunglasses on... Come on! But I also I also want to appreciate that Beach Hunk, as he is named in the credits, <laughs> is looking for a very different kind of daddy, Lucifer. So I'm, I'm a bit sad that he turned him down, but of course he turned him down. I mean, he is in a committed relationship. But hello, daddy. Rawr. 
Ugh, so good. I'm here to prove that I'm nobody's daddy. (laughs) I just want to rewatch that moment over and over and over. We basically need a gif with sound of that moment. Yeah. Dear patrons, if you can do this, dear listeners, please, please do this for us. Thank you. We get out of the title card completely elated with that amazing reference to CSI Miami. I'm like flustered and everything. And then we go away from there. We go into the precinct and I was like, what is Dan doing with his hand in his face? And then I was like, oh, fuck, he does not realize that literally nobody can see him. And then, of course, one person walks through him and he is like, oh, no, and what is happening? And none of you can see me. And I'm like, dude, have you never once watched or read a ghost story in your life? Like, this is normal ghost stuff. Maybe there are no ghost stories in the Luciverse. That is the thing, which is also the reason why ghosts are not my devils in the details, because so far we have not any tiny bit of information when it comes to ghosts within the Luciverse. Well, we have a supposed ghost, which turns out to be an angel of death. Exactly. So I'm a bit disappointed in the lack of dance knowledge, because I feel like certain things are basic knowledge when it comes to ghosts, like normal randos not being able to see them. Because I agree with him that if anyone can see him, it is Ella. Yes, that is a very good logic. This is perfect. But also, he must be aware. He has never seen a ghost himself, so he must be aware that normal humans not really seeing ghosts and everything. So there is that. Not to mention, he can't touch things. Why would he think that he's sentient enough to be seen by humans? And so I'm going to give the rest of the scene to you because while I understand and assume that this scene probably was a lot of fun to act and record, I am not a fan of my poor boy Dan being the button of the joke again. See, I don't find him to be the butt end of the joke myself in this scene. I know. So this is why I give it to you because you probably have much more enjoyment in this. I can only appreciate the actor having fun, but not my boy Dan. Yeah, to me, I mainly took enjoyment from the acting parts as well. It was amazing. I love how Amy Garcia kept her face completely blank when Kevin Alejandro was yelling. I kind of want to ask her about this scene. Yes. You know? Yeah, I would like to know, yeah, for both of them, but mainly for Amy, because she does an incredible job of, of like, being yelled into her face so loudly that... Her hair moves! Her hair is moving, you can see her hair move when he shouts at her. So if the two of them end up both at Lux, if that ever happens, and if they share a panel, that is the perfect question. Love that. But, yeah, so on the actor level, it was incredible, but... Also, I love the fact that the frog can see Dan. Yes! It's so good. That's so funny. But also, it's it's terrible. And I don't think it's making fun of him. I think this is something that's genuinely just funny in the scene. But you can see how slowly, second after second, he gets to be more and more desperate of what to do and you know I was focusing so much on Dan that I nearly forgot to talk about what Ella is talking about and that is she is looking for something supernatural yes finally Mm -hmm. 
So when we had this debate of Ella being on the verge of discovering something big and we were talking about, ooh, what could it be? What could her cookie theory be? I think that we can pretty securely say now that she is looking into divinity. I'm not sure if she's looking into divinity, but she is definitely looking into end times. Falling frog from the sky and God missing. There's not many options. She is definitely looking into something that is in this universe real. And she doesn't technically know about about. So, I'm very excited about what's gonna get cooked up over there. We leave with a very devastated den and a frog den in need of a bath. And we go over to Linda's. Well, clearly these are her book notes. Yes. And Chloe comes into this and starts talking about what is happening with Lucifer. And since Ella was talking about her sense tingling in the previous scene, I was like, ooh, Chloe's senses are also tingling. So (laughs) I was quite happy with that, I have to say. They are all very in touch with everything around them. Except Linda, because Linda is mostly in touch with the past. Proven by her quoting her notes from previous episodes again to Chloe, which you could see in her face. Chloe goes like, this seems familiar, but she doesn't (laughs) clock it exactly because they were drunk as fuck when they had that conversation. This is when they break into Lucifer's safe. After which he gives her the bullets. Yeah. So does this mean that the only person in the multiverse that has the correct and exact timeline of this TV show is Linda? No, she is trying to write down the exact timeline. So hopefully at the end, she will have it. Good. We should contact her because I still have some issues with the timelines. Oh yeah, me too. But when Linda is not quoting herself and confusing Chloe, she is giving the best advice. And I absolutely love that because... Just ask him is the best advice. And this is exactly what Chloe should be doing. And Chloe takes out her phone and says, I have an app, which is clearly find my friend. Yes. Or she's a cop, so she can actually have a tracer on Lucifer's phone. She used to be a cop. Yeah, but I think that there being a legal way to do this, that she without his knowledge turns this app on on his phone. It's still legal because it's still, you know. Track my child style yeah so i feel like she would probably go that route rather than although who knows after last time when she literally broke into the police department records exactly but her reaction is fucking priceless it's great he's where we are about to find out where he actually is he is in miami and as we are going there we're gonna get another song called Animal by Denise Farrow. And he's on the phone with Mace. And in this conversation, we learn that he had an orgy with 36 people in one night. Mad respect, Lucifer. I cannot even imagine having sex 36 times in a night. So, mad respect. Yeah. Well done, Lucy. And your stamina. And out of those, nine were potential pregnant. And how many turned out to be actually? Four, right? Yes. Four. Yeah, so we're going to follow up with four women. I got slightly upset here because I'm like, well, so you tell Maze about what's happening and you didn't tell Chloe. But it makes sense because he needed Maze's help. Exactly. If Chloe was still a cop, he might have used her connections. But this way, he just used Maze for her bounty skills. It feels like he's sliding back to the old Lucifer where he was just out on his own 
with a slight Mace's support. It's not the same thing, but it kind of had a little bit of a hint of that. The entire episode has a lot of Lucifer, Chloe, earlier season vibe. So I get what you mean. So we get Miami, we get New Mexico, and we get Seattle as title card style thingies to let us know where we are. And it, I love it. Also, uh, one more note. I noticed that Mace is actually calling him from the penthouse. So even though I don't understand why she's there, she's there and she's having her thing happening there later. I would assume because she's living together with Eve and she doesn't want Eve to see her outfit before the wedding. That is a very, very good, yeah, argumentation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Makes me feel so much better. And in this way, I would assume that if they had best men or whatever, Lucifer would be Mazes. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. She also makes the great joke about Jerry Springer. Can't wait to watch the rerun on Jerry Springer. Do you know what Jerry Springer show is? Yes, you do. Yes, of course. Have you actually ever watched it? Yes. I haven't, but I just know what it is because it's so embedded in the cultural fabric of the universe by this stage of life that... It's impossible to not know what who Jerry Springer is. I've watched a few excerpts and stuff like that. So we jump in between all these different location settings and he talks to all these different women who are all very different in their intensity or how they react when seeing him. But he tries to show them a drawing of his daughter or of his supposed daughter <laughs> and fuck me, I love this running gag that Lucifer can't draw for shit. <laughs> Do you know my favorite moment is when he draws the angry eyebrows to it? It's like, what about now? <laughs> the downturned mouth and the angry eyebrows is amazing. It's the level of detail. The level of fucking detail. Incredible. But we are talking to only three out of four women, which makes me believe that the fourth one is actually going to be the mother that we're looking for. Of course. And sadly, all three of those make it very clear that they think Lucifer would not make a good father. Which, of course, he takes huge insult in. Yep. It is rough. However, the last one is like, oh, you're saying you should be a good father now? Well, my divorce got finalized. And she drops her robe and she stares in her doorway naked. And of course, this is the moment when Chloe finally catches up with Lucifer. It's a very Jerry Springer. I would like to point out that the way Chloe stands underneath that stairwell, I am pretty sure that she's been there for at least some of that conversation. And she must have heard him saying, no, no, this is not what I want. I'm in a committed relationship. This is not what I do or who I am anymore. And that makes me think that her anger is very much at this point irrational and she's misplacing it. And it's probably connected more to the necklace than to her actually being angry at Lucifer. It feels like she's looking for excuses to be angry at him. And it's gonna get more intense. Well, the thing is, I agree and disagree with you because the jealous part, I agree with you, is probably mostly her just being freaked out in general but now we go onto the street and we have this confrontation scene between the two of them and he has kept several relevant things from her he has kept the daughter situation from her he has kept the dan situation from her so she does have quite a bit of leg to stand on to be angry with him just the insecurity and jealousy part feels so out of character and so second season so this was the part i didn't like but with your explanation that maybe this is a side effect from the rod i can actually live with it so i'm i'm now good i feel like there is a lot of these emotions are real but they are heightened 
and more intense because of the necklace. So this is how I explain that away for myself anyway. But before we get more into that situation, we need to touch upon Dan for a moment when he comes back into the penthouse and Mace is there having a fitting. Did you clock that Mace was messing with Dan when you watched this for the first time? I feel like I had a suspicion. I don't think that I was like fully, oh, she's, you know, fucking with him. I think I was more like, it doesn't make any sense for her to not see him, so she must. Especially when she brings him up. Exactly. The reference to him explicitly within the fitting and her being a demon who worked with souls in hell. The combination of these two made it obvious to me that she is messing with him. And this scene is hilarious. I will give you that. But it is still, Dan is still the butt of the jokes i think at this point it's more of a we're trying to get him more and more desperate so then the fact that he wants to go back to hell is actually based on some sort of an emotional impact which would not have been necessary because i think all that it needs was chloe and trixie not being able to interact with him and him just having to watch their suffering and grief i think it has more of a ground if you build it up just slightly, at least a little bit. Uh, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> it may have worked without it. It may have worked without it, but who knows. But this is all I have for the fitting. Except, of course, the outfit looks amazing. <laughs> Not surprising. We go child hunting. Hey! Finally, Lucifer is bringing Chloe with him. And we go to a synagogue in Boston. This is the fourth woman. And turns out that the fourth woman is a rabbi. And Lucifer is like, oh, she's not gonna remember me. And then she goes, Lucifer! It's like, you changed my life! But then we find out that Mira, her daughter, has been missing for five years. And at this point, I'm like, okay. For me, it was clear it can't be Mira because it would be too obvious. To me, at this point, it was conspicuous enough for me to be like, maybe. Maybe. I didn't believe it the whole time, but they made it plausible enough for me to be slightly swayed. Okay. To me, it was very obvious because this is how usually Lucifer works with we get this apparent plot line that then turns out to be nothing or wrong or completely misleading or something. And once again, with this setting, we have a supposed case for Chloe to work on, which is Again, nicely done. I kind of really like the fact that even though he categorically refuses to accept that Mira is his kid, he still agrees that they should help the mother find her child. I mean, he has never said no to Chloe when it comes to that, especially since they opened up to each other and professed their love. But also, it feels that his general dislike of children has evaporated throughout his interactions with Trixie. Because he seems to care quite a lot for all these misplaced youngsters. Yeah, look at that. So Trixie, the cure for hating children. Which we still don't have any explanation for why he used to dislike kids so much. I get it. Children are evil. Not really. But let's not go on another tangent. We already gave you quite a few. <laughs> Instead, let's go to Lux. And I assume we have a song when we go to Lux. Oh, you assume correctly. It is by Kinder. And funnily enough, it's called No Sleep. And we get Daniel heading into Lux as his next location because he seems to be slightly desperate. And he sees a Menadiel who is reading a book or something decided to do that in a club. But whatever, I'm not gonna get into that because that's just convenient. 
it was stupid. It just like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he fucking study anything in a fucking nightclub? Well, he also could learn at home where Charlie maybe is crying. Or he could be in the penthouse or he could rent a motel room. I don't think he still has any income. So why would he rent anything? No, what annoyed me in this scene is that apparently Amenadiel was an afterthought for Dan, which is absolutely stupid because Amenadiel is an angel and he knows that angels can see him and they used to be really close friends. So Amenadiel should have been one of the first people Dan is looking for and trying to talk to when he's on Earth. Well, maybe he wanted to look for him elsewhere and he just didn't expect him to be in Lux. Mm. It felt that he was very surprised. Like, oh, Amenadiel, you're an angel, of course. I should talk to you. Ah, Like, why didn't I think about this earlier? It's like, come on, dude. Although, in fairness, I think that he is pretty overwhelmed right now so uh still amenadiel angel duh i know and we got the little joke where amenadiel is wearing headphones and that was just not a fan unnecessary i don't think i get that he's wearing headphones in a club when he's trying to study in a club but why you know what let's say not rent a room he could have just fucking flown to a roof somewhere and studied there without a light it was during a day was it there was daylight outside yeah all right yeah then he could have just flown to a roof yeah anywho i'm gonna let that one go for now and a minute deal first thing he does is he asks dan if he went to see trixie and chloe yet which feels like he's kind of rubbing in the misery of dan not being able to communicate with humans not gonna lie he doesn't actively think about it so he only thinks about dan as a family man just like he is a family man so who would be the first people that he wants to see is his child so obviously he asks but also the whole interaction is very much like no one else can see him don't they realize that this means that he's talking to himself in the middle of the club. I think they don't really care at this point. I mean, it's Lux, so of course nobody nobody cares in Lux, but still. Also, when Mace then shows up and like they forget with the hugging and with the high-fiving, it's like, really? It's supposed to be funny, come on. It's a bit too slapsticky to me. Yeah, it, it's a little bit too much of a physical humor, and I'm not, not a huge fan of physical humor. Exactly, it's too much slapstick for me. Give me the good writing that I'm seeing in other parts of the episode, but also give it to Dan. But this is, basically, this is my gripe when it comes to Dan, that he is more often than not played for slapstick humor. And I get it, it's fun as the actor, but I want more for my character. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Also, though, we get another beautiful heartfelt moment where Dan and Ames apologize to each other for their last interaction, which was beautiful. And I am so sure that that was definitely a part of the reason that Dan is still on Earth, because that is something that was weighing down both of them, clearly. So uh, I feel like his journey now through Earth is gonna have to be trying to find ways and reasons, the, all the guilt that he is still feeling for himself. Since he didn't get a hell loop, he couldn't do it in hell, so now he has to do it boots on the ground on Earth. Which, fair enough, because this is his favorite thing to do. True. That is actually a good point. 
There is one thing in the scene. Maybe ghosts are extremely rare within the Luciverse, and this is why everyone is so bad at this ghost stuff. Mm, maybe. Because that would actually make sense, because the only way you are a ghost is if an angel carries you from either hell or heaven onto the mortal plane, right? And I assume that usually they're not in habit of doing that. And so it would make sense that Dan is maybe one of the first ghosts ever, or at least in centuries. And that would explain why both Amenadiel and Mace are so bad when it comes to interacting with Dan and asking such stupid questions and everything. So this is now my headcanon and I am happy with that. You know, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree on that. Because that is the only explanation that we can have to justify that type of behavior. Okay. So I'm uh, very curious as of uh, how much Dan is going to enjoy this reunion long term because I have a feeling this is not going to work very well. But that is also what I have. He literally now has only three people that he can actually interact with. That is a nightmare. Yeah, that's terrible. Imagine. I can't. Uh, Especially since he can't do anything. So next thing we do for the next while, we're going to follow uh, Lucifer and Chloe looking for Mira. And we go, we get a Central Valley, California sign and they land by this petrol station or gas station or whatever you'd call it. Chloe seems to enjoy flying quite a lot. Yeah, Lucifer seems to be enjoying flying Chloe places quite a lot as well, according to his own comment. Yeah, I was really here for it. Did you catch the Fabio reference with the goose killing? So this is actually something that I had to Google because I was like, this (laughs) sounds really funny. I need to see what this is about. So I Googled it and there was about 5 million videos on YouTube catching this exact moment from 1999. We're speaking about 90s today. Speaking of Y2K. Some model called Fabio, who I don't know who is. Some model! The male model Fabio! He's also at Zoolander. I've seen that very long time ago, okay? So Fabio, the supermodel of the 90s, was sitting on a new roller coaster and his face killed a goose. And I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. I saw the beginning of the video when they're sitting down in the, I think it's like, it's called like Apollo's Carriage or something like that. It was the newest roller coaster in the world at the time, somewhere in Williamsburg. And they sit in the front and as they went off and I realized what's about to happen, I'm like, nope, I'm not watching this shit. And I turned it off. No, it's so great. And I, th- I think the goose broke his nose on impact oh, or yeah. something. Broke his nose. There were stitches on his face, blood everywhere. Which as an as a model, me? No, but Fabio Fabio was hot shit back then. Like, damn. Actor, model. <laughs> and these these are the moments where Vero shows her much younger age than me. You mean the fact that I don't know who Fabio is? Exactly. Yeah, well, you know, I was living in a post-communistic country. I saw this video in 1999. I'm pretty sure that in 1999, mere 10 years after the revolution, we didn't even know what lived across the pond. We didn't even, we barely knew what was happening behind the borders, not to mention in states. So we didn't get Zoolander until like 2015, because that's how much behind we are. They're there. They're there. Thank you. Thank you for patting yourself on the head so I, I can do it through the through the camera. 
I absolutely love the Fabio reference. And so this is now, thankfully, the final appearance of Jealous Insecure Chloe. Yeah. But it is the most intense one. And this is the moment until we start talking about Dan. I'm like, girl, you're overreacting. You know Lucifer well enough to know that he is not purposefully keeping this from you. There is no maliciousness in Lucifer. And so while I understand that she is upset by it, she should not be as blamey. Yeah. And the thing is... I completely understand that the entire Dan thing throws her so so badly. I get that. Because it's her ex-husband. It's the father of her child. She just tried to go visit him in hell and he wasn't there. She was worried about him. She used to feel very guilty about his death. And that was what would have kept her out of heaven and that she had to let go of. So there's a shit ton of baggage. Exactly. So I understand it throws her, but she knows better. She is a better person than that. Also, she knows Lucifer better. Exactly. I mean, she keeps talking about partnership, but the way she's treating him, it doesn't feel like partnership. Also, she knew what she was getting into because Lucifer has always been the not proactive communication person. And I mean, not to be repetitive, but this is basically us, girl. (laughs) You know, like we we both knew what we were getting into with each other. And we both know that the other one is not at the tiniest amount malicious in our respective problems. But still, we drive each other fucking crazy with it. Yeah, that is very true. (gasps) We're like Lucifer and Chloe. To get away from the comparison of life. The self-therapy, you mean? Self-therapy, yeah. Chloe gets over this by... Actually, Lucifer helps. Lucifer tries to keep her focused on the task at hand, which is very well done by Lucifer. And shows he knows her. And I think that he has grown so much and the fact that he was able to do this, obviously it doesn't solve anything, but it is giving her the time that she clearly needs to cope with the situation by doing something else for a little while. Let's fix what we can right now and then focus on the other things afterwards. Exactly. And I love that. I love that from Lucifer and it proves that he is not the person that he sometimes slides back to be. I mean, as no matter how much you grow, you will always sometimes have a short fall back into old behavior and then you simply have to gather yourself up and do better. They go into the gas station and I was so confused because the dude at the counter, he seemed so fucking familiar so I had to check who the actor is. That is Patrick Swayze's little brother. Oh! I didn't know Patrick Swayze had a brother. Oh, Patrick Swayze had three siblings, I think. One brother and two sisters. But this is why this man looks so familiar, because he looks very much like his older brother. And so that is why I was like, why does this man look familiar? I think he's called Don. So it's Don Swayze. So Oh, okay. I'm not the character. Okay. No, no, I don't think the character even has a name. I just call him the creep. I was very unhappy and unfazed by him. It was just like, ah, get him away from me. He is an asshole. But Chloe buys a thing and drags Lucifer outside. A tub of guac. And she is so incredibly obvious when she does it. I was gonna say, so Lucifer's like, oh, I was just about to mojo him. And she's like, oh, I don't want to tip him off. So, you know, look at what I bought. Right in front of the door. How are you not tipping him off? By buying the thing that you literally just asked him about. And now discuss it in front of his door. 
And how is it any better than Lucifer asking him what he desires? Like, yeah. what's the difference? Chloe, you used to be such a great, amazing cop. What happens? <laughs> she seems to be off her game and I blame the necklace. Yes, she's definitely off game. That is a very good point. But yeah, I was I was so annoyed with like, seriously, can't you be any more obvious? Oh no, you really can't. Captain Chloe obvious. <laughs> Captain Clobius. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I don't know what's wrong with me today. So many portmanteaus. We go hunt avocados and not even five seconds in. Ta-da! The creep from the gas station is the bad guy. Who could have seen that coming? Also, we get a once upon a time in, a, in Hollywood reference. Have you seen that movie? No. I think you would like it. It's very good. It's on the list. It's very good. I'm not going to say anything else because if you're going to watch it, you know what you need to know about a film before you watch it. And I'm not going to add to that. Spoiler! But it has, for those who haven't seen it, there is a very similar moment in there and I loved the reference and I appreciate the reference even though it was this obvious and it has very hot aging Brad Pitt in it and I love the film. It's very long but it's very good. All right. We have some kicking ass happening. Lucifer gets shot. She's still invulnerable. So we have that confirmation. Chloe has so much fun with all the fights. And apparently I missed something relevant. Sorry. Uh, Yes, we have a soundtrack song to the fight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful country song by Loretta Lynn called... You ain't woman enough. And it is actually, it is important because this is the song that I cover in my Devils in the Music. So if you want to hear about that, go to the bonus. It's a really good Devils in the Music, I have to say. Ah, thank you. Even though it's not about the song I wanted, but I learned quite a bit. I'm glad. You know, I could have gone into a very, 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 very long one there because... The information was out there. I just decided to go more about the sense and fun and still information, not heavy, but still information filled. That was good. So we have to fight. We have kicking ass, taking names. It's beautiful. It's the one moment in the entire episode where I'm actually glad that Chloe still has the necklace. Also, it shows how well they work together. They are a perfect team. They communicate instantly without saying anything. As I written down, a couple that fights together still together. <laughs> to me, it's more they know how to physically interact very, very well. So non-surprisingly, they also fight together very, very well. <laughs> so they kick ass and... And take names. And Chloe actually has to calm Lucifer down at the very end to stop him from over-escalating. Which is a very, very good callback. Yes. Also, this shows how intensely involved he is emotionally in this whole thing, which also is what wraps up later in this scene. But then we have a short cut and we see that now uh, CPS and the cops and everyone are here to take care of all these youngsters. And this is, of course, part of the classic propaganda show. Now that the cops are here, everything is going to get sorted and they're all going to get brought back to their loving families. And blah, blah. It's like, uh, yeah, usually when kids run away from home there's a reason so we now get the information that we need and that is that Mira met someone online which of course makes no sense because if people can get online they could have called home and get home and whatever but we're not gonna question that she met a guy online and we get a name and a city so we have enough information to follow up on this but most importantly in this scene, to me, is the conversation that happens now. Exactly. Chloe and Lucifer go into the middle of the fields 
and Chloe gets this information about this dude's whereabouts. And suddenly, I finally see our Chloe. That is a very good way of putting it. It feels like she got it out of her system, the anger and everything in the fight. And now she's back to herself. But this is very worrying because basically she got her fix, you know? She is calm after fighting and she hasn't had a fight in quite a long while which leads to her being strung out and now she had a fight and now she's calm again and this is very worrying but you're absolutely right we now have our Chloe back and with that she obviously sees how fatherly Lucifer is behaving and maybe that he needs to finish this search on his own and confront this dude and find Mira on his own and she allows him to do that why doesn't she ask him to drop her off home first and just ask him essentially to leave her in the middle of fields in California because she is gonna make sure all these kids actually get treated fairly and well because she's Chloe I accept that I actually like that and then she can just pray to a manadiel and get a pickup I mean yeah she also can technically pray to Lucifer and get a pickup after that emotional baggage is unloaded. So she has options. <laughs> At this moment, we actually get our Decker star and the way we love them. And a kiss. And a kiss. A kiss. Uh, yeah, just me kind of melting over this and being happy that we have, at least for a moment, a glimpse of our Chloe. That's all that I have to say about this scene. We go into San Francisco and the house we are now going to enter is incredibly beautiful. It is so good. Like the trees in front of it and the staircase leading up to it and the walls at the windows. It's like, damn, how does he afford this in San Francisco? I know, it's very pretty. So I was I was very distracted by the house. <laughs> Your man opens the door and the first thing Lucifer says is PERVERT! <laughs> Which sent me. It was so funny. Perfect. I love Father Lucifer because he's just so righteous. Daddy Lucifer. No, 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 no. This is not Daddy Lucifer. He's been Daddy before. This is father. Now, is this um, I'm your dad, but not your daddy situation? Yes. Because father is father Frank, so Lucifer can never be father Lucifer. Fine, fine. So okay. it's dad Lucifer, okay? Dad Lucifer, yeah, okay. fine. Dadifer, no, maybe. Are you okay with dadifer as dad Lucifer? Yeah. Okay, good. Lucy dad. Lucy dad. Lucy dad is good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We are incredibly stupid today. I love us. <laughs> So he engages, he accuses the dude of being a pervert and everything. And then, of course, Mira shows up and he realizes that she is not his angry emo angel daughter. And he sits down on the bench in the entryway and he is quite a bit disappointed, I would say. Yeah, because he hyped himself up and he realized he actually wants this, which I kind of like this when they do this on TV shows. If they're gonna end up having a character that previously wasn't interested in having kids, ending up wanting to have kids, I want to see how they got there. Yeah, I want to see the journey to believe it. And this I believe. Exactly. Same. He went through it. He went through all stage of, stages of denial. Most of them being denial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, denial is what he does best. Duh. I know. Yeah, this is this is a go-to reaction. And somewhere on the way, he started caring because he's Lucifer and he just does that. He just starts caring. Because he cares a lot. And we have seen this in the last few episodes that he has the capacity to care so deeply and so widely. So, of course, when there is suddenly a 
child of his. He is going to care. But now it's not Mira. And of course now we have to get the classic Lucifer self-identifying with something someone else tells about their own life. And that is of course Mira's father going through the whole, well, she's the best thing that ever happened to me, but not in the beginning. But I knew that she was mine when I saw her, when I looked her in the eyes. Which of course, we even get the fucking flashback just so everybody remembers that this happened in this episode 40 minutes ago. Yeah, I hate shit like this. This makes me so angry because this is dumb television. If they have had that look at each other at least an episode ago, I'd be like, fair. Then okay, then it's fair. But it literally happened 40 minutes ago. What are you talking about? However, I have one more point. I really, really hope that this dude did a paternity test, even with the whole, I looked her in the eye and believed her. I really hope that he made sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, rationality is boring, but yeah, I hope so too. Not that, you know, we can expect that from Lucifer and his angel daughter. I mean, not really necessary, so not with the angels. So we get we get that whole situation of like the flashback and everything. But this is the moment when Lucifer finally admits to himself that this emo kid is his. So the reality finally sinks in and he accepts it. And from there, we get a song that's gonna get us through the very brief moment at Chloe's and is gonna follow us into the penthouse. And it's by Cigarettes After Sex and it's called Don't Let Me Go. And it's the final song of this episode. And I hope that you picked this as your devils in the music, but you didn't. So this is going to be a front runner for my switcheroo segment in the summoning episode. Yeah. So one, the fact that it's by Cigarettes After Sex, which is like one of the best things ever. And also it's a great song. You know, I was, I nearly chose this. If we didn't have the country queen involved, I would have gone with this. We'll see if it ends up in the switcheroo segment. We'll see how it goes. And the song, of course, kills us emotionally and stabs us in the heart because while the song plays, we have Dan standing outside the window of Chloe's place and he looks inside and we see an absolutely devastated, sobbing Trixie being hugged close and tight by her mom. And she literally says, I miss my daddy. And that is just heartbreaking because it has been a while now that Dan is dead, but she is still so deep in mourning. And it's completely understandable because he was an excellent father figure in her life. They were very close and she is still very young. Exactly. Do you think Trixie is going to lend us for therapy fucking better for grief counseling yeah I really hope so I think that with Chloe being her mom I think that she would definitely bring her we're just gonna assume that because Chloe is super mom that Trixie of course is receiving grief counseling because while grief is healthy and natural it sometimes is very important to have someone help you work through it because the only way out is through I watched uh, human resources and so that is stuck my brain sorry let's wrap this up Trixie is mourning and Dan is very, very unhappy and he can't do anything, which is, of course, the worst. This is killing me. He just stands there and looks through the window at them and it's just like... And then we cut over to the penthouse where Lucifer is standing on the balcony having a drink and Dan comes up that he now wants to go back to hell because now he understands. Now he understands why Lucifer never took him up to earth but now he also learns that this is a one-way thing. Dan is now intangible 
And so he is stuck on earth. There is no way for Lucifer to bring him down to hell. And that sucks. So we'll see how that goes. But even while he is grieving and struggling, Dan is, as always, the best of been. See, this is what I was thinking to myself. As much as I hate that Dan is around now because he is now in this weird limbo of I don't know what's gonna happen, at least we have him around to give everybody amazing advice as he's always done. Exactly. And he is an amazing dad. So he is definitely a great person to talk to in this setting. So this conversation between Dan and Lucifer was really, really great with Lucifer being very open and honest with Dan, which I very much enjoyed because they did develop their friendship, but we didn't see much of it. But there is a lot of heart in their friendship. And so Lucifer makes it very, very clear that he would never, ever willingly abandon his child because he has his own issues with his father and he grew up with an absentee father. So he would never do that. So the explanation to this is going to have to be extremely good because Lucifer would never do this out of his free will. Yeah, but to cap this episode off, we're going to get another bomb thrown at us. We go back to Chloe's and Chloe is putting Trixie to sleep. After she cried herself empty. (laughs) And she hears the wing swooshing. And at this point, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Because it comes directly after Lucifer says in the previous scene, I don't know where to find her. She could be anywhere. I didn't hear the wing swooshing. So when I've watched this the first time, I was like, is Dan hanging around? And she's sensing Dan, but Dan wouldn't come back because he saw how sad they are. So it can't really be Dan. And then it was like, okay, the only reasonable option is that it is the angry emo angel. But I didn't hear the wing swoosh. So... I went on a wrong assumption path for a moment. (laughs) In fairness, she does try Dan, but I'm not really sure what that would have accomplished because even if it were Dan, she would have had no way of seeing him or hearing him. It would just be torture for everyone around, so... Exactly. So we notice the open window and the flopping... The waving curtains. Curtains in the wind. Possible wind, wing wind. The wings... Change. Oh, shut up. Uh, that song makes me cry every day, every time. Fuck it. I've seen them live. I'm telling you all my all my secrets today. I've seen them live and of course they played that song and everybody cried. Sh- shut up. No, I refuse. So we get this very tense moment when Chloe turns around and we see the emo angel. And this is not the reaction that I expected. I expected, I'm gonna punch you. I will revenge my father being mean to me by killing her, his beloved. I expected something like, I'm gonna hurt you to torture Lucifer. Or I'm gonna kidnap you to torture Lucifer because he has been an ass to me or something like that. Also, we've seen that before. Yeah, it would make sense. Michael definitely does that in season and five but no that's not what happens she breaks into tears throws her around around chloe and says mom and then the episode ends like what so now we have this whole thing happening and i just went like oh shit shit in my notes which in general leaves me with really liking the episode. I'm going to disregard the fact that Chloe is in this weird spiral of insecurity because she does manage to sort that out for herself in the end in some way, at least well enough for now. And hopefully we're going to address that very soon. We got to find out a little bit more about Dan's ghostdom, which was interesting. And most importantly, we get a lot more information about our stranger daughter. I 
loved Lucifer's journey and his accepting the fact that she might actually be his. And that plot twist in the end, not to mention now I knew this was going to happen and it still got me. But when I was watching it the first time, I was like, what? Completely all over the place. But that means this is indicating some sort of time travel because I'm pretty sure that Chloe would remember if she was pregnant with Lucifer 20 years ago. Or alternate universe. We still have mom's universe. Oh, actually, I actually forgot about that option. So it's either time travel or alternative universe, either of which is extremely exciting and extremely good. So I'm very excited. Well, guess we have a Decastor baby. At least it's not an actual baby, but instead a super angry emo angel played by one of my favorite actresses. So we shall see how it goes. I do remember that I was very vocal in the past about not wanting a Decastor baby. And while I am not as adverse to it as I used to be, I am still skeptical. Dan now being confirmedly stuck on Earth as a ghost with only three people to interact with is very sad, especially since he is still being played for the butt end of way too many jokes for my liking. I made that very clear in the episode. I do wonder where we'll go with his uh, ghostdom, as you called it, since ghosts have not been part of the Lucifer lore so far, and that means we are very, very open and free in this. Linda's whole research for book obsession is still incredibly obvious, but also not addressed at all. So I have to assume it will be important, but I cannot say for what. There are so many other things that are still super obvious and not addressed, not just the book research thing, but also Chloe's obsession with the rod or her strung outness and her being normal after she fights. Also Ella with the side plot and like there's so many things. Most of all, I feel like this season does not realize how little time we have. This is episode four of ten. I know, right? And to be honest, I am getting anxious because next time we are going to be at the halfway mark and there's so much still open and so many questions and so many new things. And they keep bringing in more. Exactly. So I am anxious, I'm nervous, but we shall see what happens when we speak the next time. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.